0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: Hello, I'm Hanif Baharudin. Happy New Year. It's 2024 and you're still tuning in to the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Kaki Lima or 5-foot way is a common feature of the built environment here in Malaysia and across the region. Whether we're aware of it or not, Kaki Lima has become part of the way we live our lives, whether as pedestrians looking for a shaded walkway, shoplots that are looking to maximize their business space fully, or independent operators that are looking for ways and means to get by, these spaces have become very crucial and part of our social fabric. It's interesting to observe the kind of activities that take place at these Kaki Limas, and that's precisely what Kaki Lima stories live in the 5-foot ways of downtown Kuala Lumpur. Did. Kake Kakilima Stories is a book co-authored by Camelia Kusumo and Lim Zee and published by Sebebiya Projects, which we have featured on the show before.
2: Hello, uh, my name is Camelia Kusumo. I am Associate Professor and the Director of Livable Urban Communities Impact Lab at Taylors University. Hi, um, I'm Zee. I'm also a
0: Senior Lecturer from Taylors University. At the moment, I'm also an architect.
1: Camilla and Ze joined me in the studio to talk more about Kakilima and their experiences working on the book and speaking to various voices that they featured in it. But first up, they recall their own experiences and relationships with Kakilima. Lima.
0: Um, I mean, uh, as an architect, we know that it's always a place that has been a lot of um, controversial in terms of whether who it belongs to, whether is that a public or a private. So from my point of view, it's like a, a grey area. That's why it makes it interesting for us to delve into it, to understand how people see it from a different perspective. Mm. Yeah, that's that's how I get into this project. I find it interesting to, to look into it, to talk to people. Yeah, not from the architectural background or not from the from someone with like the knowledge of whether it's a public or a private, mm. yeah.
1: What about your personal, I guess, memories or personal relationship with kakilima in general? Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Um, Since because my dad has a, a shop lot, so yeah, of course it has a part of the kakilima in front of the shop lots. So I remember from when I was young, um, we did a lot of activities. So my siblings and I we always play there mm. because it's right in front of the shop. And my parents will find it, don't go out of the boundary, then it's not safe. If you are there, then you are safer. But of course we know that people are also walking along it. So uh, yeah, so that was a place to me is uh, where I play, where I play always with my siblings, and then I remember when I was young, my mom also showered me there. <laughs> mm. Yeah, my mom also showered me there because um right in front at the corner, there's always a water pipe. So, yeah, so that's kind of like easier way to access for water. And then they also wash, do some washing there. Yes, that was how I find it is it's also part of the very um, daily life. Yeah, so we do a lot of daily activities there. Yeah, mm. especially when we stay above the shop houses. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Camilia?
2: Um I used to live um, in the shop house as well. So when when I was very very young, uh, my father uh, worked uh, in uh, in one of the shop houses, and we were allowed actually to stay and live uh, upstairs. Mm. And of course, uh, the upstairs the space is not big, so we are so used to play uh, downstairs in the shop. But of course, when you play in the shop, then you of course play also in the in the in the kakilima in the five foot way. And this give uh, quite a, a special impression to myself. That this space of the five foot way is not inside and outside because after the, we live in the shop house for several years, we move to the landed house. So there is a difference when you live in the, just a, uh, the normal house, the usual house. You have a, a house and you have a gate, but here in the kakilima in the shop house, you don't have the gate. There is no boundaries between inside and outside between the shop and the street. So the kakilima is like it's also part of your shop, but in the same time, you know that. Many other people, strangers are so passing by mm. this place.
1: <laughs> yeah. All
2: right, let's get
1: deeper into it, um, especially for the uninitiated. Uh, can we start by, I guess, defining uh, what Kakilima is and how it came to be, especially in the context of Southeast Asia?
2: Uh, Kakilima, Lima, uh, there is quite some debate about where is the Kakilima originally uh, come from. Many uh, believe that the Governor General of Raffles brought it here to Southeast Asia, especially to Singapore and as well as to Batavia, Jakarta, uh, just to regulate how do you build uh, shop houses. So basically he wants that every shop has a a proper pathway in front of the shops and is protected or covered walkway, just like a veranda. And then he also uh, said the minimum width of this five-foot way should be five foot which is the kaki lima in Baasa. and uh, and then this uh, in fact uh, has been of course uh, the transplanted uh, everywhere in southeast asia however there is also another fashion of the origin of the kakilima, which is some uh, say this is maybe come from the town inspired by the town in in, in the southern of China, like Fujian, because there are many uh, Chinese migrant came from Fujian who came about two three centuries ago here in these regions. However, um, at the end of course this debate is still going on, uh, as usual with the history, we don't really know which one is the right thing. Maybe it's a mix. You know, it's a mix of the uh, two different cultures that come together. However, this uh, Five Foot Way become so popular in this uh, region that it is implemented everywhere, not only in Malaysia, but as well in Singapore, in Indonesia, and uh, I mean, even in Thailand.
1: All right, yeah. Interestingly, Kakilima of Five Foot Way is a space of contestation uh, between various stakeholders. Um, in fact, you alluded to this earlier. It's very definition of whether it's a public or private space was constantly debated and argued, uh, with different parties having different say. Um, in fact, one of the contributors in the book called kakilima uh, sticky spaces. Yeah. So, do you, do you think that this is something that's still debated and argued about even now?
2: Uh, I think uh, this uh, uh, sticky place spaces is is uh, of course it's not exclusive to kakilima. Basically, sticky space is uh, the space that attract people to stay, and uh, we know that in the uh, how to make, uh, in terms of in the urban design or urban planning, how to make, do you make actually a, a public space alive is to ensure that people can stay comfortably in the public space. And, but how to create this comfortable space? That this space, it can be in the form of anything. It can be just simple attraction that make people come, so not just passing by. And this concept uh, of the sticky places is that what we are also uh, highlighted uh, in our book, uh, we say that in Kakilima there are many of these sticky spaces that make people not just walk through. So in the way the Kakilima is or the five-foot way is not just a conduit for pedestrians to walk through, but it's also a place where people can stay a bit longer. When people stay longer, then the cities or the space become livable. So and but of course this is a very, very uh, controversial in that sense because Five-foot way is rather narrow because it's only five foot. It's different than uh, a square or a padang that is uh, quite big that uh, people can uh, have the sticky activity in the same time. You can allow people actually to pass by. So uh, uh, this kind of, uh, uh, what is that, uh, debate also still going on. Mm. And uh, particularly between the municipality and the shop owners, but also the user
1: themselves. Can that debate ever be resolved you know whether it's public or private space is that something that you also try to look for an answer for
2: For, from my perspective
0: Mm. I think it's uh, it's a need it's a need of that space to be used by people in general yeah so when we come to activities of how people use spaces uh, we we don't talk about it whether you use it I mean public is that for the owners to use it or is that for the public to use it Mm. so it doesn't matter. In general, it's for people to use it. So I think as long as, I mean, the space that is a need and then people understand that um, they have the rights to use it, whether it's the owner or the public, then I think that will help to make the space um, more sustainable rather than a space that um, only allowed the public to use it or only allowed the owners to use it. Then it becomes like um, too rigid, so that's why from my point of view, the grey areas kind of makes makes it um, interesting and a way to sustain the the usability of that space.
2: Mm. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I think uh, basically, Kakilima is always has been a liminal space, so it's it it should provide flexibility to certain extent. and in fact. How do you manage this space? It should actually you manage it also in a flexible way. Mm-hmm. So when there is a need you, uh, of the more people actually to come, then in fact you give a more flexibility for uh, this kind of uh, uh, intangible activities or uh, non-permanent activities to come as well. However, if you, there is a need actually a wider space for a pathway, for people walking through, then maybe you have actually the, the, to put much uh, more stricter rules and law to ensure that the kakilima is free of obstruction. However, in any case, uh, kakilima shouldn't be blocked, shouldn't be privatized. Even though there is a kind of always a, a debate between the whether it is a public or it's a private, the flexibility uh, between these two areas should be ex- in fact there. Uh, if you look in fact in the experience of Singapore, which is more developed. Uh, the Kakilima is more developed than us, and they have also hundred hundred fifty years uh, history, very similar to Malaysia. They also started with very chaotic uh, Kakilima, and then uh, of course, even st- uh, since the beginning of twentieth century, they they tried so hard actually to clear up. This uh, this kaki Lima because of the in the name of the hygienic and the regulations, and there is even a riot because the fight between the the the, the officers and the, the the people who occupy the Kakilima. But even at, after the independence of Singapore in 1965, this fight become uh, harsher, becomes stronger, and the government becomes stronger, and then they clear up everything. However, if you look at the uh, recent development. Because, of course, uh, Singapore become much more prosperous. There's many of these street hawkers. In fact, they already move on in the in the economic ladder. So they don't need the space anymore for their activities. Maybe they move to the shop. Maybe they move to the hawker centres. And anyway, but now the Singapore government wants people actually to come back to, to Kaki Lima because they realise that the Kaki Lima is part of the, their heritage as well. So I think... If you clean up everything and just make just strictly only just for public, nobody can be there. Then you lost actually this beauty of the livability of the Kakilima. So I think it's the balance, the flexibility should be always there.
1: Mm, yeah, you brought up a very good point there. Um, I, I tend to think of any activities taking place at Kakilima or Five Foot Ways as being pretty organic. Um, so can you actually try and manufacture activities there and will it feel sincere and authentic if you think about it?
2: Um, uh, ma- manufacture. Uh, I mean, it's if you manufacture if it it's non-organic, uh, it's usually is is uh, will not sustain that long. Mm. So, uh, but the one actually that's much more organic when there is a demand for it. So, for example, people demand to have actually more shoe cobbler. Ah, then actually that, that activity will sustain a bit longer. Mm. However, if there is less demand, uh, I, mean, I mean, uh naturally, organically, actually, in fact, these shoe cobbler activities will disappear. It's the same as so with the uh, barber. Used to be a lot of uh, street barbers, but now there is no more because people, in fact, to go to the real barber or to the shopping malls to to, to cut their hair.
1: Mm, all right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I,
0: I think for for DPKL, I think they do have the permit to apply for a certain usage. For example, if you want to place a table for extension of your restaurants, you want to place like tables and chairs. So they will count like numbers of tables, then they will have a permit to apply. Okay, you want to apply for 10. So there they are permit to apply for if you want to place it for like tables and chairs. There are also permits like for you to do like performance. Yeah, if you are a street busker, then you can apply for it. But there are certain permits that they already define, but they they also don't really have, like, um, make it, how to say, the flexibility is important, but they don't have the others, you know, the others for, 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 for people to apply. So I do think that uh, from certain point, uh, if the public have certain, um, how to say, So, for example, if I want to do a certain thing there, but there's no such a permit, then people will do it without applying the permit. Mm. Yeah, but there are some, but they are not all kind of. So, if you're talking about manufacturing the activity, so I think it's something that is very hard for the authority to to understand or to provide a a regulation for now until it happens. Until that's. That is a new trait or something new that came out or oh, people will, for example, at the moment, there is no restriction or regulations on whether you do your TikTok, taking your video, there's no permission for mm-hmm. it.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: yes. in future, who knows, the regulation when you have too many people taking video without considering the safety, the health and safety of the surrounding then people will start to implement or set a rules to to regulate it. But I think there are certain things that has been done by the government to set up some rules and regulation for like the tables and chair extension for the restaurants, for the busker, for street performance, but not everything yet. Mm. yeah until it happened one day mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So, do you think that's a good middle ground in terms of I guess um, the relationship between the, the public uh, and the, the private as well as the authority in terms of I guess trying to define or find a, find a middle ground of I guess defining the way these spaces can be used
2: uh, uh, I, I believe, I think the, the law regulation is has to grow so organically mm, because mm. it depends on the situation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, this book captures uh, the stories of the people, particularly during the COVID, their experience during the COVID. Mm. But you, you start to see in these stories that uh, the, the officer actually quite flexible. And I think we, we do know that during the COVID time, I think the DBKL gave uh, a lot of additional permit. For uh, uh, people actually to 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 open the food stall on the pedestrian walkway, even though now mm-hmm. I've seen that they start to clear it up again. So I think that's kind of a flexible, organic uh, uh, laws. Mm-hmm. I think in everything, I think is always needed. It depends on the on the situations, and uh, I mean, um, and as I mentioned also about the example of Singapore that they even even keep changing. So their their policy in terms of the usage of the five footway.
1: That was Camilla Kusumo together with Lim Zee. They both co-authored Kakilima Stories Life in the Five Ways of Downtown Kuala Lumpur published by Superbiar PR Projects. We're going to make way for some messages more on Kakilima after this. Stay tuned, I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Anif Baharudin. Joining me in the studio today are Camilla Kusumo and Lim Zee, authors of Kakilima Stories, live in the five-foot ways of downtown Kuala Lumpur. And we've been talking about Kakilima and the nuances surrounding it from multiple facets. Now let's get back to the book and talk about how it came to be.
0: Oh, when we first started, I think we discussed uh, among the team members with um, Prof Robert Tower with uh, Jiaping. Yeah, I think they are very familiar with the downtown KL. So uh, we also started with a few region. Yeah, and then at the end, we based on the a boundary or the region or demarcated from the Think cities. Um, KLC- they have a ten city uh, no. master plan. KLCCD. KL, yeah, KLCCD. Yeah, so we based on that one to select some area. So then we walk through the Downtown KL together and then we try to highlight a few uh, traits or activities, 60 activities that we think they are important. And then uh, from there, we listed down a few and then we discuss with, uh, we also engage some of the research assistants. Then we discuss with them um, to brief them and highlight to them um, there's a flexibility in selecting. It's not rigid, but it's based on the criteria of the uh, activities of um, they could be uh, more on the restaurant and expansion. They could also be on the um, activities that's more uh, flexible and temporal, like the stalls that could be there and then sometimes it's not there. And then they also based on activities like uh, uh, we, we decided to have a homeless yeah, because we saw the activities of it, and then also like the busker and the cobbler as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So some activities that is a uh, temporal, and then some is more, more like expansion
2: of the shops. Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, we of course we started with the mapping. After mm-hmm. we got the map from the Kuala Lumpur uh, uh, of the Kuala Lumpur uh, 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 creative cultural districts, mm. and after we map, we identify. Yeah. And we do the non-participatory observation. We took the location and mm. then we came back. We started to approach the users, the people who used that, the, the street pass cars, the, the, the the shop owners, you know, and, uh, and all kind of people. We started to talk in, and interview the them in terms of their experience. And uh, we did it, of course, in multiple languages, uh, in Bahasa, and Mandarin, as well as in, uh, in English, but very casuals and to find out their stories why actually they are there and why they choose that uh, locations and mm-hmm. how was their experience particularly during the covid and, uh, and 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 I mean in a way it's kind of quite interesting uh, experience for us because mm-hmm. uh, uh, this time uh, even though we are architects so we just don't do drawing but because we want also to know the intangible part of this kakilima as well
0: I think it was not started with 31. So I think we started, I mean, we wanted to have less than that. But yeah. then it happens that after we talk, I mean, talk to the people and then we realise that there are more stories to tell. Then slowly it grows to the number of 31. 31 yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, some people do ask us, like, why 31? Is that a particular reason? Uh, that's no it's just grow by itself and we think that all these 31 stories they are interesting that's why we included in the book
1: mm. who are the most memorable indivi- individuals that you spoke to and what made them
2: memorable I think for me it's the street busker the musicians because to a certain extent he chose to be on the street <laughs> <laughs> even we asked uh, why he didn't go, <laughs> but actually, in fact, actually to the pub, to the cafe, because that is a bit more permanent. But it seems that he enjoy his freedom actually to be on the street. Uh, even like, in fact, the the homeless, the homeless story. So some people sometimes choose to be on the street. Uh, it's not because they they have no option, yeah, the but, they, but they but they they because they want to be on the street because they have the freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the book is meant to document um, your experiences speaking to the people uh, at these spaces. Uh, but beyond what was shared um, in the book, what else did you observe from your experience doing the research? That's that's perhaps not included in the book.
2: Uh, it's uh, I mean in general, maybe uh, not everyone understand what is a kakilima. They don't even they stay there. They they are not aware. Actually, they are just uh, basically a lot of people take the kakilima for granted. They don't realize the value of the of the beauty of actually this this space. Yeah, I mean whether it's the the users or whether it's uh, the people the uh, post publication. Even uh, uh, I mean when we speak people nowadays, I mean it's still a lot of people don't understand what is a kakilima. But kakilima is part of the uh, historical story, the heritage of the of the built environment heritage of the Kuala Lumpur. And not only the Kuala Lumpur, but of course in a lot of the old cities in, in Malaysia as well. Mm-hmm. I think like what you asked just now about
0: uh, whether can we manufacture or predefine the, the activities and things like that, um, it's very hard because one of the things that, um, from memory is when we first there and then the shop were there, so we recorded, we took pictures and we talked to the owner. But after a few months, before we launched the book and then we went there again and then the shop is no longer there mm-hmm. because we want to give a, a copy of the books to the owner again or, or the people that we interview. Not the owner, they could be the tenant. the tenant. So, and then they were not there anymore. That makes us, I mean, makes us think that um, the activities are actually um, evolving and changing. Yeah, and that is quite fast. Yeah, so even just a few months, the shop is already not there, and then it has changed to another activities or another function. Mm. Yeah, so it's very hard to predetermine or manufacture the the, the activities as you mentioned just now. Mm. That is something that makes it uh interesting as well for the it has to be evolved, and then in terms of titles, like those uh, local authority like regulation as well has to be flexible, and then yeah. Mm. That also indirectly, uh, I
1: guess, defines the space as being very fluid as well, right? Yes. The fact that that, that that these businesses just, you know, a few months after you've done your research, they're no yeah. longer there, right?
0: Yeah, some of them, they are no longer there. But some of them, they have been there for many years. Who knows that like one day they, they won't be there anymore.
2: Yeah. And these yeah. people move around. Like yeah. the street buskers, they, they don't have a... I mean, they do kind of like the kind of certain kind of their favorite space, but uh, sometimes, in fact, they move around as well as the, 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 the shoe cobbler as well. Mm.
1: Yeah. Obviously, because of your background uh, backgrounds as architects, um, you do have, a, I guess, a much more sophisticated understanding of the spaces, right? Um, but, you know, after completing this project, do you feel like you have a different, I guess, perspective or different understanding of you know, Kaki Lima in general?
2: for me what what is a different is uh, i mean and the, the the stories of the people uh this the, the way that they appreciate the space is totally different than the way we appreciate the the space because for them the space often is ex, in fact is their survival for us uh, it's just a veranda just a part of the shop we always look only just the shop is the main or uh, the the, mo- the most important structure however for these people uh, especially the one the the the, the street hawkers, that the, the space is really their lifeline, uh, which is uh, something uh, we were not aware of before. But uh, thanks to this uh, project, after talking to them, that we are become a bit more aware of the importance of this uh, uh, five-foot way for a lot of people. Um, to me, um, it's also,
0: you know, a lot of new design, they start to design without the five-foot walkway. Mm. Even, like, uh, even like shop lots. I mean, shop lot is something that's very common in our urban. Yeah. So, um, but a uh, lot of shops start moving into malls because they have like a, a larger and more enclosed and then more air-conditioned spaces that people would like to shop or buy things or even eat. For the younger generation, they prefer to go to malls rather to go to shop lots. So uh, kind of some some architectural um, design elements that uh, might not still be the same or oh, this type of typology yeah, has been changing that uh, some of the design that could not have this type of elements anymore. So I, I do think that is something that have to bring back to a more smaller scale, more closer between people, rather than going towards a. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the shopping mall. I mean, yeah, mm. but uh, maybe it's also they start to have a different ways of looking into the different type of spaces. Yeah, different types of typology for for people. That's mm. how. Yeah. Yeah. In
1: the book's epilogue, um the writer of the article mentions some of the potential um challenges of Kakilima uh in its current state. Um perhaps uh, one example is that um how it's not the most friendly for people with mobility challenges. Um do you think that these are some of the things that we can think about when it comes to um to the Kakilima, if you want to I guess push the conversation further, you know? What how else can we think about, I guess, you know, appreciating Kakilima for what it is? Uh, and the value that it brings to um, different communities, especially those who actually see its importance um, or f- those who, I guess, for them, it's a necessity more than anything, but at the same time also include, you know, all these values that are also important to make the place, the space more inclusive for everybody.
2: Um, uh, in fact, uh, some municipality has, has, has started the effort to make these uh, areas more accessible, uh, for everyone, for the OKU as well. So by uh, constructing an additional uh, sidewalk, uh, we can see this in certain uh, streets in uh, downtown K- uh, KL as well, like the Tun Hsli, uh, uh areas, uh, as well as, I mean, in PG as well, in Bandar Utama. So uh, uh, this is uh, one of the possible solutions. Uh, of course, uh, the the issue is when, you make you try to make the kakilima uh, so uh accessible for everyone there is a limitation because the level the the floor level often is unequal and uh, the technically is is kind of uh, difficult uh, for the heritage building to to change that mm-hmm.
1: but can that can it be standardized for the more modern buildings because oh yes yes yeah.
2: yes the, the more modern building if you are uh, designing a new shop surely surely i think we should think about it and uh, of course the kaki lima is the the original width is five foot way, but we uh, five foot. But uh, we know that in the modern building, that five foot is just not sufficient anymore.
1: The interesting thing about I guess reading this book is that um, to a certain extent, I think I have a slightly romantic view of Kakilima as well. But is there a way to look at um, kaki lima without romanticising it so much? Because I feel like I think the general vibe that I get from my own uh, I guess slightly biased perspective is that you know I am for it in its current state you know in all its I guess um, shortcomings as well as its uh, potentials and its, its I guess um, advantages uh, but at the same time I feel like I'm also over romanticizing it a bit and I think the vibe of the book as well to a extent has that but is there a way to look at it in a more objective way I suppose
2: I think uh, uh, we mentioned also in the book that uh, we, uh, we, we can see actually kilima in, in, uh, in two different ways. One, as a cultural space. Uh, I mean, it's part of the heritage. Uh, it's, uh, uh, a lot of people actually can come and uh, from different backgrounds, it's accessible for everyone and anyone. But on the other hand, from the environmental point of view, we have to admit the space is comfortable. So I mean, for for just sitting and eating, or not for doing conversation. This place is like the mama stall. Is uh, especially in the at the end of the day, you know, the extension sitting outdoor in the five foot way is much more comfortable than inside the shop. You know, so this is a place where every Malaysian can 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 come. But it's comfortable because the place is covered and is uh, protected from the traffic. Is covered, protected from the sun and the rain as well. So, uh, I mean, uh, practically, this is very convenient and comfortable space for public uh, activities, for people, I mean, for, for Lepak, in fact. So, <laughs> we can see it is a kind of ideal space for Lepak space. And uh, uh, if, 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 if you want to see it more objectively. <laughs> I, I.
0: Mm-hmm. Because I, I you, you were saying that you romantic nice it
1: romanticize it yeah yeah
0: but uh, I, I I don't know maybe I'm, I'm very uh logic thinking and yeah so I, I I did not see it as that way but uh they I mean it's part of memories so uh, it's a place that uh, it's a place that full of memories of different generations so uh. so like like Chinese New Year my mom would want me to bring her back to a certain shop in a certain location to buy back the certain things mm. yeah so but uh, keeping all these traits i think because yeah keeping all these traits is also kind of important that uh yeah to see it, yeah i mm. think is yeah i don't have anything to <laughs> mm. yeah
1: you know what are some of your parting words uh to our listeners with regard to Kakilima? how how should they go about thinking about Kakilima,
0: you know You mean the public?
1: Yes, the listeners. You know, if they were to actually listen to this and like perhaps, you know, if one day they're walking on a Kaki Lima somewhere, how would you want them to think about the space?
0: I think it's uh, very important for for us that local, we need to appreciate something that is very local. So a lot of people might not be aware that this is the public space that we have. And then, yeah. So I hope that people is more aware of the importance the importance of uh the the space that we have is more understand of the the beauty of it lah yeah where activities happen where where lots of memories were created at that place la, yeah so not just to um demolish it or not just to uh amend it yeah or or yeah to or ignore it la. more of the awareness of yeah
2: uh, for me i think uh, i hope that people enjoy more the kakilima space and uh, and uh, acknowledge it as part of the uh, our heritage part of our history and part of our, our identity as well uh, in fact uh, our book doesn't stop here oh. uh, as I mentioned, of course, in one hand, this is uh, is the book is selling very well, and now we are preparing to print the twenty twenty four edition oh, okay. because uh, because uh, the twenty twenty three edition is uh, almost out of stocks. But in the same time, uh, we are because our mission to kind of uh, the to increase the awareness of the importance of kakilima uh, continues doesn't mm. stop in the with this book. So now we are preparing a game, a board game, tabletop game. On the same team, based on the book "Kaki Lima Stories of the Downtown Kuala Lumpur," so we are hoping to launch uh, this board game in May uh, this year. So we are uh, we are now busy doing some test games, and hopefully, so all the preparation, the production, so all be ready by May twenty twenty four.
1: You have been tuning into I Love KL and I've been speaking to Camilla Kusumo and Lim Zee, co-authors of *Kakilima Stories, Life in the 5 footways of downtown Kuala Lumpur published by suburbia Projects. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl. Our app you can find via Google Play and the App Store. You can also look for the show on Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on X at BFM Radio. My name is Anif Baharudin. and you have been tuning in to I Love KL bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city join us again next week only on BFM 89.9 The Business Station
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station For more stories of the same kind download the BFM app